James Joyce said that this story by Tolstoy, which I'm about to share with you, is the greatest story that the literature of the world knows. Now that is high praise indeed from the man who wrote Ulysses. You will find Ulysses quite often at the very top of lists of greatest novels ever written. Tolstoy's short story is titled as a question, How Much Land Does a Man Require? I don't know that we can say it changed the world, but it has certainly had a deep impact on many who've read it, including me from long ago. In fact, I think of it often as a kind of nostalgic epiphany. It has a tendency to assert itself all by itself into my thinking. So I'm going to read it to you, not the whole story. It's too long for that. But I will summarize the first part and read the last few pages which carry the full weight of the tale. The story is about a Russian peasant named Pahom. He has a lust for land. He says, If I had enough land, I wouldn't fear even the devil himself. Unfortunately, the devil overhears him, and unbeknownst to Pahom, says more or less, Challenge accepted. So the devil arranges for Pahom, little by little, by means of what Pahom thinks is his own hard work and wise financing, to accumulate larger and larger tracts of land, good farmland. Pahom has to move his family to take advantage of cheaper, better land far away, but he is soon a man he once dreamed of being, a man rich in land, and therefore rich. But his lust for land is never satisfied. He is one day visited by a stranger who tells him of the Bashkirs who live far, far away, but who are generous people, and who will let him buy enormous tracts of land for only a few rubles. Pahom thinks it might be too good to be true, but he can't pass up the chance at such a once-in-a-lifetime bargain, just in case it is true. So he goes to visit the Bashkirs, and we pick up the story when he is asking the chief of the Bashkirs whether or not the story he has heard is true. And the chief assures him that it is true. Choose any piece of land you like. We have plenty of it. Pahom said, Thank you for your kind words. You have much land, and I only want a little. And what will be the price? asked Pahom. Our price is always the same. One thousand rubles a day. A day? What measure is that? How many acres would that be? We do not know how to reckon it, said the chief. We sell it by the day. As much as you can go around on your feet in a day is yours, and the price is 1,000 rubles. Pahom was surprised. Now, in a day, you can get around a large tract of land, he said. And the chief laughed, and it will all be yours. But there is one condition. If you don't return on the same day to the spot whence you started, your money is lost. But how am I to mark the way I have gone? Why, we shall go with you to any spot you like and stay there. You must start from that spot and make your round, taking a spade with you wherever you think necessary. Make a mark. At every turning, dig a hole and pile up the turf. Then afterwards we will go round with a plow, hole to hole. You may make as large a circuit as you please, but before the sun sets, you must return to the place from which you started. All the land you cover will be yours. Pahom was delighted. It was decided to start early the next morning. They talked a while, and after drinking some more cumus and eating some more mutton, they had tea again, and then the night came on. Pahom lay on his feather bed but could not sleep. He kept thinking about the land. 
What a large tract of land I will mark off. I can easily go thirty-five miles in a day. The days are long now, and within a circuit of thirty-five miles, what a lot of land that will be. So Pahom went to sleep, and he woke up looking round to see through the open door that dawn was breaking. It's time to wake up, he thought. We ought to be starting, and went on to call the Baskers. It's time to go to the step to measure the land, he said. The Baskers rose and assembled, and the chief came too, and then they began drinking kumis again. If we are to go, let us go. It's high time. The Baskers got ready, and they all started and mounted horses and summoned carts. Pahom drove in his own small cart with his servant and took a spade with him. When they reached the step, the morning red was beginning to kindle. They ascended a hill, and dismounting from their carts and their horses gathered in one spot, the chief came up to Pahom, stretched out his arms toward the plain. You see? All this, as far as your eye can reach, is ours. You may have any part of it you like. Pahom's eyes glistened. It was all virgin soil, as flat as the palm of your hand, as black as the seed of a poppy. And in the hollows, different kinds of grasses grew breast high. The chief took off his fox fur cap, placed it on the ground, and said, Start from here and return here again. All the land that you go around shall be yours. Pahom took out his money and put it on the cap, and then he took off his outer coat, remaining in his sleeveless undercoat. He unfastened his girdle and tied it tight below his stomach. He put a little bag of bread into the breast of his coat, and tying a flask of water to his girdle, he drew up the tops of his boots. He took the spade from his man, and he stood ready to start. He considered for some moments which way he had better go. It was tempting everywhere. No matter. I will go towards the rising sun, he thought. He turned his face to the east, stretched himself, and waited for the sun to appear above the rim. I must lose no time, he thought, and it is easier walking while it is still cool. The sun's rays had hardly flashed above the horizon before Pahom, carrying the spade over his shoulder, went down into the steppe. Pahom started walking neither slowly nor quickly. After having gone a thousand yards, he stopped. He dug a hole and placed pieces of turf one on another to make it more visible. Then he went on. And now that he had walked off his stiffness, he quickened his pace. After a while, he dug another hole. Pahom looked back. The hill could be distinctly seen in the sunlight with the people on it. At a rough guess, Pahom concluded that he had walked three miles. It was growing warmer. He took off his undercoat. He flung it across his shoulder and went on again. It had grown quite warm now. He looked at the sun. It was time to think of breakfast. The first shift was done. There are four in a day, and it is too soon yet to turn, but I will just take off my boots, he thought to himself. He sat down, took off his boots, stuck them into his girdle, and went on. It was easy walking now. I will go on for another three miles, and then I will turn to the left. The spot is so fine that it would be a pity to lose it. The further one goes, the better the land seems. He went straight on for a while, and when he looked round, the hill was scarcely visible, and the people on it looked like little black ants. And he could just see something glistening there in the sun. Ah, thought Pahom, I have gone far enough in this direction. It is time to turn. Besides, I am in a regular sweat and very thirsty. He stopped, he dug a large hole, and he heaped up pieces of turf. Next, he untied his flask and had a drink, and then turned sharply to the left. He went on and on. The grass was high, and it was very hot. 
Pahom began to grow tired. He looked at the sun and saw that it was noon. Well, he thought, I must have a rest. He sat down and ate some bread and drank some water, but he didn't lie down, thinking that he might fall asleep. After sitting a while, he went on again. At first, he walked easily. The food had strengthened him, but it had become terribly hot, and he felt sleepy. Still, he went on, thinking, an hour to suffer, a lifetime to live. He went a long way in this direction and was about to turn to the left again when he perceived a damp hollow. It would be a pity to leave that out, he thought. Flax would do well there. So he went on past the hollow and dug a hole on the other side of it. Pahom looked towards the hill. The heat made the air hazy. It seemed to be quivering, and through the haze the people on the hill could scarcely be seen. Ah, thought Pahom, I have made the sides too long. I must make the next one shorter. And he went along the third side, stepping faster. He looked at the sun. It was nearly halfway to the horizon, and he had not yet done two miles of the third side of the square. He was still ten miles from the goal. No, he thought, though it will make my land lopsided, I must hurry back in a straight line now. I might go too far, and as it is, I have a great deal of land. So Pahom hurriedly dug a hole and turned straight towards the hill. Pahom went straight towards the hill, but he now walked with difficulty. He was done up from the heat. His bare feet were cut and bruised, and his legs began to fail. He longed to rest, but it was impossible if he meant to get back before sunset. The sun waits for no man, and it was sinking lower and lower. Oh, dear, he thought, if only I have not blundered trying for too much. What if I am too late? He looked towards the hill and at the sun. He was still far from his goal, and the sun was already nearing the rim. Pahom walked on and on. It was very hard walking, but he went quicker and quicker. He pressed on, but was still far from the place. He began running. He threw away his coat, his boots, his flask, his cap, and he kept only his spade, which he used as support. What shall I do, he thought. I have grasped too much and ruined the whole affair. I can't get there before the sun sets. And this fear made him still more breathless. Pahom went on running. His soaking shirt and trousers stuck to him, and his mouth was parched. His breast was working like a blacksmith's bellows. His heart was beating like a hammer, and his legs were giving way as if they did not belong to him. Pahom was seized with terror lest he should die of the strain. Though afraid of death, he could not stop. After having run all that way, they will call me a fool if I stop now, thought he. And he ran on and on and drew near and heard the bashkers yelling and shouting to him, and their cries inflamed his heart still more. He gathered his last strength, and he ran on. The sun was close to the rim, and cloaked in mist, looking large and red as blood. Now, yes, now, it was about to set. The sun was quite low, but he was also quite near his aim. Pahom could already see the people on the hill waving their arms to hurry him up. He could see the fox fur cap on the ground and the money on it, and the chief sitting on the ground, holding his sides from laughter. There is plenty of land, he thought, but will God let me live on it? I have lost my life, I have lost my life, I shall never reach that spot. Pahom looked at the sun, which had reached the earth, one side of it had already disappeared. With all his remaining strength, he rushed on, bending his body forward so that his legs would hardly follow, fast enough to keep him from falling. Just as he reached the hill, it suddenly grew dark. He looked up. The sun had already set. He gave a cry. All my labor has been in vain, thought he. And he was about to stop, but he heard the basker still shouting and remembered that though to him, far below, the sun seemed to have set, 
On the hill, they could still see it. So he took a long breath and he ran up the hill. It was still light there. He reached the top and he saw the cap. Before it sat the chief laughing and holding his sides. Pahom uttered a cry. His legs gave way beneath him. He fell forward and reached the cap with his hands. Ah, what a fine fellow, said the chief. He has gained much land. Pahom's servant came running up and tried to raise him, but he saw that blood was flowing from his mouth. Pahom was dead. The Bashkirs clicked their tongues to show their pity. His servant picked up the spade and dug a grave long enough for Pahom to lie in and buried him in it. Six feet from his head to his heels was all he needed. <laughs>